It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Carolina Moore is a professional blogger, craft and quilting book author, notions inventor, and award-winning quilter living in sunny San Diego, California. It was fun to get to know her background and how quilting has become such a part of her interesting life. It's great to have Carolina with me today on A Quilter's Life. Hi there, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Let's start with where were you born and raised? So I was actually born in the Netherlands. We moved to the U.S. when I was a little less than a year old, and I grew up mostly in a little desert town in Southern California called Ridgecrest. As a teenager, we actually moved back to the Netherlands, which is Holland, for a couple of years. And then uh, came back to California. I did my undergrad up in San Jose and got a degree in advertising got married. My husband and I moved to Las Vegas. We had our kids and now we're in San Diego. So all over the place. Wow. How fun to get to go back to the Netherlands during your teenage years. So you got to experience that. It was definitely interesting. Dutch is my first language because my mom spoke Dutch with us at home, but English is a very close second. And when I was about seven, we stopped speaking Dutch in the home because I had a sibling who had trouble with speech. And my parents said, well, you know, we live in the U.S. and we're planning on staying here. So let's make it easier for him. Instead of trying to struggle through two languages, we'll just switch to the one that is going to be our main language, which is English. So at seven, we stopped speaking Dutch in the home. And then at 15, I go back overseas and a lot of the language was still there which was fascinating and, and interesting, but it was all like my parents' version of the language. So like, I didn't know any of the swear words, but I picked those up pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how quick children can pick up things. Yeah. Well, and if you have it there, you know, there's so many things that are like riding a bike, like you haven't done it in so long, but once you pick it up, yeah, you, you get right into it pretty quick. Neat. Do you have a special childhood memory? I have a pretty good memory of all things, which sometimes freaks some of my friends and family out. And I'll say, remember that time when, and I can get into really weird specific details. And who knows, maybe my mind is just making those up, but nobody else remembers. So as far as I'm concerned, it's total fact. But probably my biggest memory related to quilting was I actually started quilting when I was 12. And uh, we were living in that desert town in Southern California. And we had family living in San Diego, which any big quilting fan from the 80s knows that Eleanor Burns was in San Marcos, still is in San Marcos, which is a little bit north of San Diego. It's here in San Diego County. And so my mom sent me to a kid's quilting camp for my 12th birthday. How um, fun. With Eleanor Burns. And she wasn't the actual teacher of the class, but she had a couple of her staff members who were teaching and on the very first day, in the very first hour, I cut my finger open with a rotary cutter. 
<laughs> oh no. And we called my aunt because I was staying with my aunt who's the one here in San Diego. She had to leave work and come pick me up. And while I was waiting for my aunt to come pick me up so that I could get two stitches, Eleanor Burns, she sat with me and she chatted with me. She's lovely. You know, anyone who's watched Neighbor stuff, she's just a true quilting treasure. Years and years and years later, I was teaching a class at an event where she was also teaching. And I had a break, so I was able to take one of her classes. And I sat in her class and I watched her do her thing. And she's a pro on every level. During, you know, the time when everyone was sitting and sewing after she showed everyone what they need to do, she was coming around and autographing books and just chatting with people. And she came to autograph my book. And I said, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, all these years ago, I was in your class and she still remembered me. <laughs> and so did her staff who had been teaching that class. <laughs> I bet that really scared them when you cut your finger. Well, it scared me. I still remember because I want to say the woman's name was Marty. And she said at the very beginning of the class, like doing introductions, I faint at the sight of blood. So if you cut yourself, call for anybody but me. And I'm pretty bad with names. And so when I cut myself, Marty, she was very like effervescent, bubbly personality. And so I had remembered her name. And so the second I cut myself, I went, oh, no, Marty. And then I went no, no, wait, anybody but Marty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I still have that scar and hope to never cut myself like that ever again. And so far, knock on wood, I've been okay. Wow. You work in the quilting craft area now. Did you have other employment before? I did. So I got my degree in advertising while I was still in college and right after college. I actually was a cocktail waitress at a pool hall for a while, and I worked at a teller at a a bank for a while. Um, I worked as a waitress in a restaurant. I was a lifeguard at a pool in college. So yeah, I mean, I had all the jobs that we all have as we are working our way into, you know, being a real adult, whatever that is. But then when I got my degree, I worked at a newspaper, and I sold newspaper advertising for a while. And then I had a couple other sales jobs. Then when we were living in Las Vegas, there's an economic downturn and marketing jobs are usually the first to go. And I was at home with my oldest and trying to figure out what my next career jump was going to be. And there was the newsletter from my local quilt shop sitting face down on the dining room table. And on the back was the help wanted ad for someone to run their marketing and special events. And I thought my hobby and my business coming together to the perfect job and I had that job for I think it was about two a little over two years before I got pregnant with my second son and then stayed home with him and my oldest together yeah I worked at a quilt shop for a couple of years and that was fabulous but now I design quilt patterns and I had a quilting blog for over 10 years now I work with different brands creating content and patterns and designs for them and then I have a quilting notion that I invented as well so all kinds of stuff in the quilting space. Neat. Besides quilting what other crafts do you do or have you done? (laughs) How long was your podcast again? Um, (laughs) That's a funny question. So I actually have a whole other site called 30 Minute Crafts it's 30minutecrafts.com and I've done everything, paper quilling, jewelry making, 
polymer clay, scrapbooking, card making. Like I'm visually going around my room thinking of like the different places where I have things stored. Yeah, you name it. I actually co-wrote a book on hot glue crafts called Hot Glue Hacks and Crafts that I wrote with my friend Angie Holden that's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and other bookstores. So yeah, I have a whole other personality that does non-fiber crafts. The only crafts that I really kind of stay away from is yarn because I'm not a knitter or a crocheter, but like cross-stitch, embroidery, I've done a little bit of weaving, miniature making. I could just go on and on. (laughs) Yeah. I love being creative. Yeah. Well, you're so busy with your crafts. Do you have any other hobbies? So right now we're in COVID pandemic and doing a lot of staying home. So we don't get to do as much fun stuff um, out in the world. But during the summer, I love going to the pool with my kids. I grew up swimming and I was a lifeguard in college. So I love being in the water and swimming. We now living in San Diego, we get to go to the beach. And I love hanging out at the beach, building sandcastles, burying my kids in the sand and then digging them back up again. We'll do a little bit of hiking, not as much lately. We love camping and being out on the water. When my husband and I were dating, we had jet skis and we'd go out on the lake and go jet skiing on the lake. Yeah, all those things. Fun. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. So it was really my mom that introduced me to quilting. My mom is a garment sewer. Growing up, she sewed a lot of her own garments. And then when I was growing up, she actually sewed quite a bit for my brothers and I. I mean, obviously Halloween costumes, but even things like swimsuits. And she and I made my prom dress together. So my mom is big garment sewer. And when we first moved to the U.S., we actually lived in Boston. And my dad was at work and my mom was home with two kids. And my dad said, you know, you got to go out and make some friends and meet some people and do something other than just hang out with two children all day. So he encouraged her to go find something to do. And she found a quilt shop in Boston and she made a sampler quilt, which still hangs in my parents' living room. It was actually supposed to be four, four quilted pillows, each with a different technique. Like a, there's one that's applique and one that's trapunto. And I don't remember all four off the top of my head, but there were four different pillow techniques. And my mom was like, ah, I don't need pillows. So she turned it into this really pretty wall hanging. So she caught the quilting bug. And I'm not as good of a like rule follower when it comes to garment sewing. For some reason, I can hang with the quilting rules, but garment sewing was just like what I need to make a muslin first and then I get to make the real thing no no no. I want to go straight to the real thing (laughs) there's a grain to fabric I don't want to do fabric grain like it looks pretty this way so yeah I really jumped in on the quilting stuff and then my mom being a very smart woman knew that as a preteen preteens know that their moms know nothing And so I was not as teachable by my mom. And that's why she sent me off to quilt camp where I really got to dive in and make my first big quilt. And the rest is history. Neat. Describe your favorite quilt pattern or a quilt you have made. So my favorite quilt is always the next one, (laughs) which is, you know, like you're working on, like my least favorite quilt is always the one I'm working on right now. 
because it's keeping me from this great idea, which is the next one. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. The next one. Yeah. I'm always looking forward to the next one. Right now, I'm working on a a scrappy heart quilt that has been taking a really long time. Usually, I'm able to sit and sew for a big chunk of time, and I haven't been able to do that lately. So I'm making it in like an hour here and an hour there. And then everything's just taking too long. (laughs) So Um, you said your favorite one would be your next one. What's in your mind to do next? So the next one I need to work on is uh, my ruler of the month quilt. Every month I do what's called the ruler of the month. So I do a video on a different quilted ruler and I show you how the ruler works. And I try to pick rulers that are in the $20 or less price range um, because, you know, we're quilters and we all never meet a ruler that we didn't immediately need. But knowing how to use it and how to make a quilt with it is another story. So it's a moderately priced ruler. I show how it works, what you can make with it. And then I design a quilt pattern with it. And for the first month that that quilt pattern is out, it's free on my site. And once the next rule of the month quilt is up, then the previous one goes into my shop. And so it's still available, but for purchase. So people who are following me regularly and who get my email list, they'll get the pattern. But people who aren't as on it, it's still available. Absolutely. Um, But that way you get to try out different rulers and it gives you an excuse. And it's amazing how many comments I get from people who say, oh, I've had this ruler forever and I just never had a quilt to make with it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we all have those rulers. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite color palette? So I'm really lucky that I get to work with Art Gallery Fabrics. They do such a good job of trending colors. It's hard to mess with their color palettes because they're already so on point. I tend to be a person who likes blues, but I also had a love affair with fuchsia lately. So like fuchsia and aqua, I love that color combination. But if I had to pick one color to go off into the sunset with, it would be all the blues. Hmm. And it might be because I'm a Dutch girl that goes into that Delft's blue, that blue (laughs) and white combo. Do you have a favorite tool that you use? So I actually invented a quilting notion. So obviously that has to be my favorite, right? (laughs) So I started quilting when I was 12 and I've been quilting a really long time. I'll turn 41 next month. What's funny is the moment that my eyeballs turn 40, they stop seeing close up as well. And that's really frustrating with the things that we do. Like I do a lot of English paper piecing, but also being able to see all those markings on the ruler. Because if you can't cut your fabric accurately, there's no way it's going to get sewn accurately and on on it. It just, it extends the issues, right? The first step is to get your fabric cut accurately. So I reached out to the Gypsy Quilter, which is part of Checker, and said, hey, I have this idea for a magnifying lens that you can stick on quilting rulers so that you can see the lines better and you can see where your fabric lines up with those lines better. And we talked it through and they thought it was a great idea and it went into production. And so the Gypsy Quilter makes my spot on dot. You've probably seen it in quilt shops. It's carried in lots of quilt shops, even internationally. And it's a set of two magnifying dome lenses that have a reusable adhesive on the back that you just wash it with soap and water. And if it gets all lint covered, as things do in our sewing rooms, so you just wash it with some soap and water. And it sticks right to any of your acrylic rulers. So you don't need specialty rulers or any different rulers. The rulers you already have, you stick it on there. 
you can see those lines better, you can cut better. Then when you need it in a different spot on your ruler, you just pick it up and stick it down on the next spot and you're good to go. How cool. I saw you using those in your videos, but I didn't realize you had come up with the idea. Yeah, it's my spot on dot. My name is actually on the box. Neat. Kind of fun. So what's your favorite part of the quilting process? My favorite part of the quilting process is that aha moment. Because like you get an idea in your head and then you see these fabrics and then like in your head, you kind of see the fabric and idea come together and you have this hope for how it's going to look. And when all the blocks are finally all put together and you do that final press and you get to hold it out and you see how the fabric is actually playing together with the pattern, it's that, oh, yes, it is like it was in my head or, oh, it's even better than in my head or, oh. I didn't have that in my head at all. (laughs) But it's that moment of where something that used to live only in my brain now lives in the real world. That's my favorite moment. Yeah. My fun question now. What was your worst quilting experience? What was my worst quilting experience? I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I cut my finger open, but I mean, that's to me at this point, because it was so long ago, it was just like a funny quilting experience. That's a pretty bad one, though. Well, it was pretty early on and I learned my lesson and now I'm good to go. I don't know. I think that I get out of what I put into things and I try to put a lot of positivity into things. And I think we've all had experiences where like we've come across someone who has nominated themselves the chief of the quilt police and is going to say, well, you should do it this way or you should do it that way. And obviously when I was in my twenties and I walked into quilt shops, sometimes there were times when they said, where's your mom? No, I'm here on my own and I'm a quilter in my own right. Those experiences, they just happen. But overall, like the quilting community is really one of the most amazing and generous communities ever. I still remember the first time I taught a quilt class, it was a block of the month at the quilt shop that I was working at and they needed someone to make the sample and no one was stepping up for that. And I said, okay, I'll make the sample, but you don't want me to teach the class because I think I was barely 30 at that point, standing up in front of a room of a bunch of women who were twice my age or more and trying to tell them that I know best is going to feel really awkward to me. So I made the sample with the agreement that I wasn't going to teach the class. And then when it came time for the class, they said, well, you know, you're the one who really knows the quilt inside out and backwards and forwards because you made the sample. We really want you to teach this class. And I was so nervous. And I remember like I planned ahead and at the beginning of the class, gave all my bona fides if I've been quilting since I was 12 and try to give my history of experience in quilting to try to legitimize myself at the front of that room. But I don't really think that I needed to do all that. It was just the most amazing community. And they really embraced me and made that first teaching experience so warm and I looked forward to being with them every month and (laughs) they asked questions that I wasn't always prepared for which is fine I remember the question that caught me the most off guard was how long does this block take to make this is the block of the month you know you want your block done by the next month and most people wait till the last minute so it's kind of like a how and I was like you know I didn't look at the clock but (laughs) while I had been making the block This was pre-Netflix. I was watching DVDs of Gilmore Girls because I had them on DVD. And I said, well, it took me two and a half episodes of Gilmore Girls. 
And the whole room started laughing and not that they were laughing at me, but they were laughing because that was a time frame that made sense to them. Yeah. Like they were expecting me to say, you know, it takes so many hours, but I didn't have that, but I did have this like, well, we all watch something while we're sewing. So it takes two and a half episodes of whatever program you're watching. And in my case, it's Gilmore Girls. And so that became like the thing when I taught these block of the months every month, I would say, and this block will take you three episodes of the West Wing, or it'll take you an episode and a half of Grey's Anatomy or whatever show I was watching at the time. And it was just another layer of connection. We have our own language as quilters. And that was just part of that language that I stumbled upon. That would have been fun to be in that class. I hope so. I try to make it fun. I mean, I always have a good time, so I'm hoping that everyone else does. Tell me why you make quilts. Is there one reason to make quilts? I don't (laughs) know. I make quilts because for me, it's if I have this thing in my head and I want to put it into fabric. And I love fabric. Even if you make a quilt that none of the points match and none of the colors ended up coming together the way you thought they would and the pattern like you put the blocks in the wrong space and places and mix them up you can't even tell what the pattern is anymore it's still a quilt and it'll still keep people warm so the fact that you really can't mess up making a quilt that's so freeing no matter what at the end you have a quilt it might be ugly you might put it on the bottom of the stack of quilts on the bed but it still will have a purpose in a home and I love that I'm making something that is literally keeping people warm and it is a physical manifestation of love. When I gift someone a quilt, like there's blood, sweat and tears in it, but there's also so much love in it and that they get to feel that hug from me for as long as that quilt, you know, makes it through the wash. It's just, there's nothing else like that. Who do you make your quilts for? A lot of them I make just to make. Like I have an idea in my head and it wants to come out. But often during the process of making a quilt, the quilt will tell me who it's going to. If it has a purpose, if it has a place it needs to go, I'll know it during the making of the quilt. And I'm not like a big woo-woo person. Um, I have plenty of friends who are and I'll cheer them on as they woo-woo. But I'll be making a quilt and it'll just, I'll be like, this is Christy. This is going to be Christy's quilt. And when I finish it, which sometimes takes a while, so I don't always let them know because otherwise they're waiting impatiently for a quilt that I'm not ready to finish yet. They'll get a quilt suddenly in the mail that they didn't know. Sometimes quilts don't have a place that they need to go and like I'll post them online and I'll have a family member who will say, oh, that quilt is amazing. And we'll just get popped in the mail and sent to them. And sometimes they'll say, oh, wow, that quilt's amazing. And I'll say, thank you. It's mine. (laughs) Because I definitely make quilts for myself as well. They're they're my extra children. (laughs) Describe your sewing area for me. So I live in 1,200 square feet in San Diego. I live in a 1953 bungalow house. So you're built in the 1950s in a housing tract area. So there's four of us who live here, my husband, myself, and my two boys. And so it's not a huge space. Before, when we lived in Las Vegas, lots more space. But in San Diego... You don't get quite as many square feet for your dollars. So pre-pandemic, my sewing room was the room near the front of the house. Really well lit, nice big closet. But I was outgrowing that space. Every time I wanted to film video, I would have to put the lights up. And then when I was done filming video, I'd have to take them down because I was tripping over them all the time. 
And I got this crazy idea to swap my sewing room and the master bedroom. So over spring break, we planned on doing this and we actually did it a little sooner because we were all stuck at home anyway. So I swapped the two. And so my sewing room is now at the back of the house, still has good light, not quite as bright, but still has good light. And I'm able to keep my filming lights up to be able to do more video. I was able to spread the space a little better. So it's nicer. But what's funny is that the table that I film my video at, underneath that, if you pull back, if you move the table and you pull back the carpet, there's a metal plate. And if you lift up that metal plate, there's actually a bomb shelter underneath where I sew. Wow. And it was built in the 1950s by the original owners of this house during the Cold War when that was a true threat here in the U.S. So I get to quilt literally above a piece of history, which is kind of incredible. And then I do a lot of English paper piecing. So my English paper piecing, I'll do on the sofa. I'll do it waiting, you know, in the car for carpool back when I used to drop my kids off at school. I'll, you know, do that at the dentist's office waiting for an appointment. So English paper piecing, that space is whatever space I'm in. Yeah. Can you share a tip with me? So a tip that I got Years ago, I was learning to free motion quilt. I really, really, really wanted to learn to free motion quilt my own quilts. And it had been a goal of mine. And I was working at the quilt shop and we had Sharon Schomber come in and she is an award-winning quilter. Like she's one at Houston, amazing, incredible quilts. And she was teaching a class on free motion quilting feathers. And this class was way over my head. Like I had no business learning feathers. I couldn't do the most basic stipple for free motion quilting or loops or anything. I wasn't at a level of doing feathers, but she was going to be in town. It was the one time she was going to be in town. And I signed up and I took her class and I learned so much. And I still have my samples from that class. My feathers were horrible. They were awful. But I learned techniques that when I got my foundations better, I already had those techniques in my arsenal to be able to apply my foundations to that. So don't think that a class is over your head. It might be over your head for now, but it's still going to be fun to learn that process. And you're really going to be able to see your development. But the tip that she had was, we were talking about, like I had quilt tops and most of us do had quilt tops that I wanted to quilt a certain way. And they had just been sitting in my closet for years. I hadn't finished them. And she said, a quilt might be sitting there unfinished, not because you're being lazy or you're ignoring it, but because your skills just aren't ready for it yet. And when your skills get to that point where you're ready to take on that quilt, then yeah, you can take it out of the closet, but you don't need to fight with it. You don't need to fight with your UFOs. Sometimes they're just waiting for you to catch up to them. That's a great tip. It takes a Um, lot of the pressure off. I mean, quilting is a hobby. This is fun. When you start putting all that pressure on yourself, like I have to, I need to, I must, it takes the fun out. I had so many UFOs piled up and when I became an Arc Alley Fabric Socialite, I switched to only Arc Alley Fabrics. So I took every single UFO in my closet that wasn't made with Arc Alley Fabrics and I gave them to my quilt guild for their charity projects. And they got distributed out over time. And I saw people take blocks that I was never going to finish and they turned them into charity quilts. And so these things that had just been sitting in my closet that I wasn't ever really going to get to but I felt like I had to because, you know, I started them. I have to finish them. No, maybe it's not your job to finish it. It's Marie Kondo. If it's not bringing you joy anymore, 
let it go. It brought me joy at the time. I loved piecing those blocks, but the thought of turning them into a quilt was just, it wasn't going to bring me joy. Okay. Bring it on to the next person. She actually posted on Instagram that she had these blocks that she got from the guild and she pieced them and she motion quilted them and it brought her so much joy. They could have never done that in my closet. Mm-hmm. Plus I freed up all that space in my closet for new quilting stuff. Yay. <laughs> Everybody wins. Yeah. Love those win-wins. Yes. Let's talk about your businesses for a little bit. Sure. We've already talked a little bit about your 30-minute crafts. Mm-hmm. And you also have Always Expect More. Mm-hmm. And you have a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And you have Carolina Moore Patterns. Yep. Any others? that I'll admit to (laughs) (laughs) I always have other projects that I'm working on and we'll see where those go on stages of development but yes I have my own little corner of the internet alwayspectmore.com is my blog that I've had for over 10 years and I have all kinds of quilting tutorials and free patterns and projects and whatnot on there and then I have my YouTube channel which Carolina Moore you can find it and I have Almost 20,000 subscribers now on my YouTube channel where I teach my rule of the month, but also different quilting techniques and patterns and projects and talk about different quilting notions and just fun quilting stuff. And then I have my 30-minute craft site, which is just kind of a whole separate personality of mine. And then I'm on Instagram and then I'm also trying out different social media. I just, just barely got on TikTok so I'm starting to play with that format and that's fun. And obviously I'm on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as Craftmore, C-R-A-F-T-M-O-O-R-E, Craftmore. But yeah, it's so much fun that I can connect with people all over. It's one of the things that I discovered as a stay-at-home mom is that I still wanted that connection with people. I love my kids and they're amazing and incredible, but getting to adult with other adults who have the same passions that I do, it's another layer, and I love that. Oh, and then I mispronounced my name on purpose. I don't call it carolinamorepatterns.com. I call it carolinamorepatterns.com because I know people are going to have to spell my first name. And that's my pattern site, and I have all kinds of different quilt patterns and project patterns, my nesting baskets and, like, the sawtooth, the zipper pouch, but also all kinds of quilt patterns and digital download quilt books that I have on there. And it's digital download, so you buy it, and it's right in your inbox, and you can start making. Mm-hmm. Describe for me how you went from having quilting as a hobby to a business. I'm going to sound really awful for a second. I never wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I went to college and got my degree and I loved working in advertising and I loved working in marketing and I loved that space. I was going to be a mom and I was going to love my kids, but my life was not going to revolve around my children. I didn't want my children to be the reason I woke up in the morning and the last thing every night when I went to bed. They definitely are always on my heart, but I I just, I don't have the spirit to be able to be a stay-at-home mom. And my friends who do are just, they're just way better people than I am. I was looking at my future. Yeah. Stay-at-home mom was crossed off that list. It was, it was never even written on the list. It wasn't part of the list. It wasn't part of the plan. But men plan, God laughs, 
women plan, God says, gosh, you know better. So (laughs) I should have known better. And just the way that my life came about was the right decision for my children was for them to have a parent at home. Just the way I had a child in daycare and another child on the way. And my child in daycare was not doing well in daycare. He wasn't thriving in daycare. They weren't able to meet his needs the way a mom can because no one is ever going to love your kids the way that family will. If maybe we had a grandma close by that could have watched the kids, that might have been an option, but it wasn't because we didn't. No one's ever going to love your your kids like family. And for a kid who is struggling in that situation, and some kids thrive in daycare, but mine specifically wasn't. And so I had to make the choice. And as a mom, I was lucky enough to have the choice between staying at home or having him in daycare. And since I did have that choice, the choice did need to be, as far as I was concerned, to stay home with him and with the baby that was on the way. And so I became a stay-at-home mom, but, you know, there's nap times. And also I felt really like alone. We were living in Las Vegas. Most of my friends had been through work. I now wasn't working anymore. So they were all at work and I was at home and they didn't have kids. So my life had taken this left turn and I found the internet and crafters on the internet. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. And I actually started with card making. My blog originally was like card making. And then I found people who sewed on the internet and that was it. And so I was a blogger first and my business was about making you know money through ad revenue and sponsored posts and affiliate revenue. And then as I grew into this, then I started pattern designing and then doing commercial pattern design and then uh, yeah, developing products. They say it takes eight to 10 years to become an overnight success. And I've been doing this just over 10 years now. So I guess I'm an overnight success now. (laughs) And uh, that's that story, right? (laughs) That's neat. As my kids get older, they will need me less. And so I'm creating this space for myself that as they need me less, I can be more in this space. But then also if something happens and it's mom, I need you right now, I can walk away. A quilt's not going to go bad. I can Mm -hmm. walk away from it for a week and go help them with whatever they need hands-on. And then it's like, okay, mom, we're good. We don't need you right now. I can go right back to my quilt and I'm good. I don't know that there's any like true right way to parent. I know there's probably a ton of wrong ways and I've probably tried several of those. (laughs) Um, But but I love my kids. I love them a hundred percent and fully and they know that I love them. And I think that that right there makes me a successful parent. Oh yeah. Um, Do they play too many video games? Absolutely. Do they watch too much TV? Probably. But are they polite? Yes. Do they understand how to be in public? Yes. Do they do chores? Yes. So, you know, it's a balance. Do they eat far too many chicken nuggets? Also, yes. (laughs) Well, my next question is, how did you come up with your business name? But you have several. It started with Always Expect More, and my last name is Moore. And when I first started blogging, I started my blog on a blog spot, and it was expectmore.com. Then it was, oh, you need to have a custom URL. You need to buy your domain name. It's like, all right, but someone already owned expectmore.com. It's like, well, that's a bummer because that's, you know, my blog spot. What am I going to do now? And there were lots of listings of blogs. Like, these are all the craft blogs out there. These are all the sewing blogs out there. These are all the mommy blogs out there. There are these lists of blogs. And 10 years ago, they were just like a phone book. They were alphabetical. And I had worked in advertising. 
And if you're going to have a business and you're going to be in a phone book, you want your business name to start with an A, which is why there's so many Acme whatevers. Mm -hmm. Because if your business name starts with an A, then if you look at under plumbers, the Acme plumbers are going to be the first plumbers listed. So I turned expect more into always expect more because then I would be at the beginning, the top of these lists of sewing bloggers alphabetically. Right. I didn't earn it. I wasn't the best sewing blogger out there, but alphabetically I was at the top because <laughs> that I could control immediately. And so that's why I'm always expect more. You mentioned Dutch was your first language. Could you say a quilter's life in Dutch for me? Het leven van een quilter. Thank you. You're welcome. I had to think about it a bit. My Dutch is rusty. <laughs> Was there anything else you would like to share with me? It's always so fun to chat quilting with somebody. Quilters mm -hmm. are really the best people. Really. Yeah. Who else do you know that's going to spend $100 on fabric and then days of their time making something just to give it away? There's nobody out there like quilters. I love that I get to be part of this community. I love that I get to teach new quilters and bring them into the fold of our lovely quilting cult that we have here. <laughs> I'm so thankful that I get to be here and be part of this. And thank you so much for having me. This has been a really fun chat. And if anybody out there is listening and they want to reach out to me, I'm mostly nice and I have yet to bite anybody since infancy. But since getting my adult teeth... There is no record of me biting anyone anywhere. <laughs> Feel free to reach out because I, I love chatting with other quilters. It's really fun. And then on the page that you'll have on your site, we'll have the links so that people can sign up for my newsletter or find me on social media or reach out to me, find my blog and see the different things. And hopefully they can come hang out with me because I think that's fun. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carolina. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Bye. Bye-bye. So glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>